0: This is the Amazon Planet podcast episode 29. I am your host, Joel Amazon. Thank you for joining me on this never ending quest to figure out how to teach better. And today on the podcast is Dr. Jennifer A. Wolf, who is an associate professor of mathematics at the University of Arizona, but better yet, she is a good friend, colleague, and one of the first listeners or supporters of the podcast. And I say that, I think in the first episode, Jen, I said, you know, if yeah. one person listens, it's uh, it's it'd be a good thing. And and, and you was like, hey, I'm listening, and keep it going. And so I appreciate that. Jen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And we're, we're breaking some ground. This is the first video episode of the podcast, and it'll become clear while we're doing that. But thank you for uh, venturing on this uh, journey with us. This is great.
1: So first listener and first video? Oh, come on. Yeah. Bro.
0: This. I mean, we're, we're just... <laughs> we're breaking ground, just plowing it up. So, and we have a kind of a, a unique task today. So I look to you as someone who is constantly pushing at your teaching and I'm thinking about teaching better, which is like at the core of the Amazon planet podcast, thinking about how to teach better. You are someone who is constantly thinking about how to teach better, not just from your subject area, but thinking about relationships, thinking about uh, the dynamics of people in your classroom making it that everyone that is breathing is doing mathematics and has the ability to demonstrate their understanding in many different ways, and yeah, you're just someone I constantly look to that's going to be doing that and just oh,
1: that's so nice. Thank you for saying that yeah, I mean I think, I think about like why do we go into teaching? Why did I go into teaching? it's because I like learning, I like listening to people, I like getting better i like I like learning. So I know we all go into teaching for different reasons, but I think I just went into it because I like thinking about other people's thinking and just learning.
0: Yeah. So, and, yeah. and so I I came to you and then saying like, Hey, this is going to be a unique semester coming up and knowing that you, well, we had another uh, conversation on the teaching math teaching podcast. Right. Shout out um, that right. we had at the, when just when the global pandemic was happening, people were switching over and, you know, getting to, into a, a conversation with my colleagues and we're like who's someone who's going to be thinking about how to do this well because we we're just had a major shift in our instruction and you know your name came up Jen and so and from more than just oh, oh, me yeah. so it was great and and now thinking about this semester I went back and I'm like uh, I better talk to Jen again before I yeah. get into my major planning which is all stacked up here in multiple different, I've got books upon books, uh, just waiting for this, uh, moment. But then we had a conversation, you shared with me some stuff and I'm like, Whoa, this is awesome. And it's too awesome to just, and I know you've been sharing it with folks, but I'm like, I would wonder if she'd be willing to share it with the folks that are listening on the teaching or on the Amazon planet podcast. And you said, yes. And so that's how we got here today. So can you get yeah, a little we're bit all of background in this
1: together? Right.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, So
1: we're all in this together. So I think that sharing, you know, we're smarter together, you know, we both, um, we both That's think right. that way. Right. Hashtag, and So yeah. the more resources that I could think through and think about and then share with others, I think that our goal is to, to be with students, right. And to learn from them. And so like, how can I think about my own practice and help others out? But yeah. So, um, so, as you mentioned, um, I'm a professor at the, associate professor at the University of Arizona, and um, I teach across K-12. So, I'm in a math department, and I teach pre-service teachers at the elementary, like K-12, K-8, and then I also do six twelve 12 secondary uh, mathematics uh, methods courses, which actually I'm teaching uh, math methods virtually completely online in the fall. So I've been having to think about, okay, how do I go about teaching both what it's like to teach face to face in the classroom, but also preparing them to, they might be going into student teaching and more than likely it'll also be remote or some form of that. We don't know. Right. So I have to think about how am I going to prepare them for both those potential, um, teaching modalities. Right. And so I, yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, we talked about in the podcast, um, I do a lot of group work and it's kind of centered around complex instruction and how you dismantle hierarchies of status. And in that podcast, we talked about like, hey, Jen, what did you do? Right. Because we we made that switch over pretty rapidly, like, hey, I'm on spring break. And then they're like, oh, we're going to do everything online. It's like, what? So how do I do groups online? What does that look like? And I had been pretty much I would always use PowerPoint. They hadn't really used Google Slides, and I started going to what I say is all the webinars. It felt like that week to figure out what to do, right? I think we were just, like, consuming and consuming, like, ah, what can I do with this? Um, And then I, I, big shout out to Teresa Wills and the work that she's been doing. She's been teaching online for over 10 years across like k-12 and she really grounds the work and the five practices and the notion that you know it needs to be student voice have students be active in the slides and then just attending a couple of her workshops and looking at all her templates i was like oh yeah we can definitely get students collaborating in slides right and then how can we use um like in my case my university was using zoom And so how could I um, leverage uh, Google Slides and also put them in breakout groups? And then what do the slides need to look like and the transitions and just thinking about how do I move things I can do face-to-face? What does that look like in the virtual space? Can it be done? Um, Is it that, yes, it can definitely be done. I just kind of have to orient myself a little bit differently or I have to get familiar with more tools that might allow for this to happen. Or it could be that maybe this doesn't, Translate well to face to face or to to virtual, maybe that isn't right. something that translates well, and so I think through all that reflective process and um, getting through the rest of the semester with my students and then thinking, you know, what can I do this summer, learning new tools, and then also being you know setting okay, what's realistic for me to do? you can't do all the things and I think right now. Teachers, educators, everyone, they're getting so many webinars and so much information on all these different tools. And it's like, this is wonderful. But I also have to be like, what can I manage and handle right now? And I don't mean that from like a control perspective. I mean that from a, like, I'm going through like emotional things, physical things. We're still in a global pandemic. So don't be so hard on yourself. Like, you can't do all the things. So, what are the things that you can do and try to do them really well while um, centering students? And I always think about it as stu- you're teaching students. I don't always think about it as a teaching content. It's students come first, and then the content is a way for us to to talk through those things. But I that's how I I like prioritize. Right? You you prioritize the learning community and the people in it.
0: Yeah, that's and so I, that's
1: kind of where
0: I've gone. I mean, that was one thing that stood out to me in the um, in the podcast or the teaching math teaching podcast is like just you know, how much you, you put on, Hey, I need to have ways to like intentionally check in with my students. How are they doing? Like, what, what are their needs? And like, we'll get to the math, but the, I mean, the math is, it's a win-win situation, right? Cause if you check it in to see how they are, they're probably better prepared to receive the mathematics versus like, no, we don't have time for that. We just need to push ahead with content. It's yeah. it's, it's, you're not going to, to overwhelm is, 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 not going to work in this situation right
1: yeah yeah no definitely not and that was something I was thinking about right because they're like um my elementary future teachers were just like how in the world is what you do in the space where it's really collaborative we're moving around we're using manipulatives we're talking about how in the world is that going to happen in this space and I think they were pleasantly surprised that we were still able to do things and then just keeping equity at a focus and if Things didn't work. What could I do? Because I had students, you know, that had to go to parking lots to access internet,
0: Mm -hmm. or
1: they didn't have um, certain access to things. And so I'm like, okay, we got to be adaptable. We got to be flexible because this is about learning. And we also maybe have to problematize what is it that we've done in the past that just isn't going to work, and you're just going to have to change because you you need to to be aware of people's humanity and where they're where they're coming to in this space
0: yeah and so I get that's a great I mean the part of your background that you've kind of shared a little bit where you know some folks might be wondering like what's complex instruction, what are the five practices and and I mean just i'll I'm just going to vouch for you like those are things like when we talk about what we want our math teachers to do, you're doing those practices within your math classes, within your math methods classes in order to demonstrate to these future teachers this is what good teaching looks like and thinking about. Now, how do we take that and do those same things within an online space? And what would I mean every every time you start talking, Jen, it kind of blows my mind the fact that you said like I haven't used Google Slides until I started this. And I'm like, yeah. wow. I mean, and you're really good. <laughs> if you're watching the video and you're going to see the resources that uh, that Jen has developed or has put together, it's again, it's going to be a double wow. And and before we jump into it, just a quick disclaimer, and this is, I think we both can stand behind this, and we usually offer this disclaimer when we talk about a book, but before we jump into this conversation, in no way were we gonna communicate the whole value of all the stuff that we are gonna mention today. And so we're gonna go through a slides, there's gonna be a visual aspect of it, but we're gonna try and voice it as much as possible so that those just listening to the audio version get as much out of it. But it is gonna be a lot. And even if we did you know, communicate the whole value of it. It's only going to be from our perspective. And that's, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit before we jumped on and hit record is that part of this is that you're helping us process through what is this resource, but that, so that we can take it and figure out how does that jive with our own philosophies of teaching our own Mm -hmm. ways of doing things. And then how can we then use it within our own practice and thinking about how we can then share it with others as well. And that's, Like you said, we're smarter together, right?
1: Right, right. So just a shout out to our good friend and colleague, Mandy Jansen, because she's been on this journey with me, right? And I think Mm -hmm. that taking um, a cue from the rough draft, uh, wonderful rough draft book study that you did this summer, um, this is a rough draft too. So that's part of our book yeah. disclaimer, right? Cause I think some of us can get into a point where like, Oh, we make all these slides and we want to perfect it or something. This is literally just, this is just a run through, right? Like this is just my rough draft kind of thinking about moving into this virtual space. Cause like you said, we've only kind of, for me doing this is, is somewhat new, right? But jumping in just full force, it's like, Oh, just put the ideas out there. And when you do other people can come in and make things better or attend to things that you hadn't thought about. And that just makes the, so just knowing that this this slide deck is kind of like an initial run of things and that we just keep building and other people take from that and build on and share. And so, um, yeah, so I'm trying to get better at that, that, that rough draft thinking and other aspects, not just uh, math. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, I held up my copy of rough draft math revising to learn by Mandy Jansen and knowing that, in those conversations and and how transparent she is in one of the chapters of her book and like, Hey, trying to do this, trying to put into my own implementation. It was a a rough draft implementation of my own thinking about rough draft math. And it was like, (laughs) this is going to be whatever we do here. It's going to be interesting to even come back. Maybe into, this is maybe an invitation to let's come back after this semester again and think about, well, what did we learn? And maybe even gathering what other people did with maybe these resources and how can we add right. to it?
1: Orchestrating those discussions and like the ways that you engaged in the five practices. Um, what did you find like really rewarding or the most challenging, maybe different in the face-to-face space than it was in the virtual space. So then thinking about, okay, what made that challenging and what could I do to make it um, better? But yeah, these are kind of just rough draft ideas. Yeah. <laughs> of what you well, could that, do.
0: I mean, already that got me, because we did another, book club for the teaching math teaching podcast summer book club on the high school math lessons to explore understand and respond to social injustice and in there is right. like a a tracking tool for the five practices that they also interlaced with the social justice kind of oh, components. That's right. Yeah. thinking yeah. about that that could be another slide with like a background and having kids thinking about the different you know things that they hear and how they uh ooh, make a note ooh, of that one right. yeah see already already we're we're like we're working on uh, version uh, one point so <laughs> here we Love go it. so um and w- another thing that that this' connected to is something I've been involved with uh in a conversation here at the University of Mississippi is this idea of resilient teaching, and hopefully you get uh, another thing that's more focused in on that, but resilient teaching is basically the opposite of what happened in the spring where we had our um where're well, both of us, where we had face-to-face situations and all of a sudden we needed to transition to a completely online because of the global pandemic. And that involved a, a, we got a week after spring break. So we got a spring break and then a week to, in order to like transition all of our teaching and mm-hmm. do all this scrambling, like you talked about going to all these webinars and figuring out how do we change our instruction versus resilient teaching would be, hey, I've got this structure already. I've got this thing planned out that, If I turn into an online situation, my teaching might not – it's going to be changed. There's going to be change, obviously, but there's not going to be as much change, right? So if I was dependent – like the biggest example that I can put is like if I do quizzes all the time and I do paper quizzes for my uh, my face-to-face class and Mm -hmm. I go into an online environment, that's not going to work. Well, if I did quizzes and they were on in some sort of like Google Forms or something that I did face-to-face – you could easily use those in an online uh, environment. That's a very and I don't like using quizzes like that to test. I'd use the other things, but anyway, there's something there that you don't need to change all that much. And if you don't have to change your instruction all that much, you can then focus more of your attention on the needs of your students. That's what I really like about resilient teaching. And so I think a lot of the things that you have here are not just good for an online environment. They're probably good. They're good for any environment that there's a lot of things that you can do here to um, that can be used in both a face-to-face or no matter the modality, basically. Um,
1: Right, right. Now, that's a really good point, because one of the things that I've been thinking about is that our students are going to be, with a lot of screen time. Right. And I'm teaching in the fall, I'm teaching a two and a half hour class and I'm being, I'm trying to be very cognizant of like how much, like, can we be face to face zoom synchronous? And then what does the asynchronous component look like? Right. Right. And I can think about, Oh, well, you know, when I give assignments or projects, is that count as like an asynchronous component or not, or I'm still working through how I feel about trying to do both because we need to have both it's an equity issue right it's it's a challenge and I want to have both so that's kind of where I'm challenged right now that I'm not I'm not gonna be able to do everything in this space so how can I make the asynchronous component also quite robust
0: so Jen just talk about that real quick like when you talk about that's an equity issue because maybe some of the listeners haven't quite thought about why synchronous and asynchronous why there's an equity issue on which format you're taking there
1: yeah, so going into the space, I think probably a lot of people experience this, but um, to be able to engage in um, synchronous, right, Zoom, Google Meets, whatever it is, you have to have a certain amount of bandwidth, internet access, and so there's an assumption there that everyone has access to the internet, or everyone, and then it's high-speed internet, um, Yeah so assumptions about access are there right in in the synchronous space so if i had students who couldn't make it i needed to have something in place that and not just a recording right i think recordings are great like i i would i would record my classes so my students could go watch it at another time which again it's, it's about access right and so how was i able to create or And respond in a way that my asynchronous components, that if I had students who weren't able to attend for whatever reasons, it could be, you know, it could be, I need to focus on my physical and mental health right now. I can't come to the uh, synchronous session. And I'm like, sounds good. Here's where the resources are. Go ahead and do your best to get it done by this time. And if not, let me know um, if you need more time to do this. I completely understand, but just being very open, right? That at the end of the day the goal is to have students learning right and how how can i support them in their learning right and so that's where i saw it as being an equity issue because it's it's about the access to to rigorous content it's the access to learning
0: yeah i and and to to think about the all the different scenarios and i mean even i was just i was hanging out with a uh, My old school that used to teach out, they let me listen in on some meetings where, you know, high school teachers planning on what they're doing and just, you know, knowing some of the stories that they're having, like, you know, these are high school kids that are going home, taking care of their elementary school kids, then, you know, then having to go to work because they were trying to, you know, save up for college, support their household, whatever. And then after all that, then come home and do work and say, if it's a to think about like what kind of situation if it was a synchronous situation it was really tough because they're doing childcare. if it's asynchronous situation where there's a i've got a one-to-one like recording i I had a 45 minute class i'm gonna do a 45 minute recording of class that wouldn't work for this kid that's coming home at 11 o'clock to do that like what's what does the instruction look like and so you know there's lots of things to think about here you know just yeah it
1: really was because um when we like at my university we were told you have to hold synchronous sessions. And I immediately, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's, that's a, that's an issue. Like I, I have to require them to come. It's like, oh, well, if they're not able to come, that's okay. But it's still like, okay, well then I need to think about if they're not able to be there, totally get it. What can I do to help support them in the, in the space under these unprecedented times? Right. Cause I always go back to, it's about it's about them, right? What can I do to continue to support them in their their journey to becoming an educator right
0: absolutely so let's yeah. well, let's get into it so because people can kind of see what we're talking about um, again, this is a huge resource that you you've put together, which you've taken a, a lot of things that other people had. we already mentioned Teresa wills, and we're gonna pour as much love on those folks that have shared those things because again, this is all again, we're all doing this thing together, so awesome, all right. Wow. So we're going to kind of yeah. bucket this thing together, but you've kind of come up with a, even a, uh, some ideas on sharing resources that I didn't yeah. know to begin with.
1: So I usually open up with just kind of a welcome slide and just a request to like go ahead and mute your mics, right, to, to, for the background noise. Um, whether or not your students are, have their video on or off, I'm an advocate of choice, right? Let them choose whether or not they want to show their video. Um, Tahari Jackson talks about video classism and thinking about, I mean, when you open up your video, um, it shows things about your space, right? Mm -hmm. And there's certain things that could be assumed about you, um, because of that. And just being aware of that, uh, classism isn't real. And if your students want to turn their video off, turn it off. Right. Um, there's many reasons. I, I know that that's something that's been going around about like video on, video off. And I'm like, the goal is for them to be engaged. And so if they start off with video off for a while, fine. Right. And then it, as the engagement starts to be more and they're able to collaborate in slides, maybe they'll feel um, safe.
0: Right. right. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And included that they'll, they'll turn their video on. And maybe I'm projecting a little bit here, but I'm not one who likes to turn my video on either. And, and it's because like I, for various reasons, but when I feel more comfortable in the space, that's when I'll turn my video camera on. so I try to I try to think about that
0: what, what I like about the I mean even it's just a, on this one slide, mm-hmm. the thing that you've shown to demonstrate this I mean one you're very explicit about hey, here's where it is on zoom, here you can f- find where the mute is, and you've got it hey, the microphone's off, but then you're even the picture you've shown the video being off. Like, I mean, those yeah. are just the small little things that show like, hey, I'm actually assuming your video is going to be off and that your choice is to make it on. I, I just, those are those little things that I think um, throughout yeah. this slide presentation, we're going to see, like, there's a lot of intentionality behind everything that Jen has put in here, so just, I try
1: to think about that, right? Because we have bandwidth too, and we know that if we turn video off, that sometimes that helps with our, yes, our internet absolutely. connection. So there's a number of reasons why people might want to have their video on or off, right? And um, so just being being aware of that.
0: So, so, and, so and, yeah. it's, and I'm going to and we're going to jump back and forth. I'm going to point some things out. Jen has things she's going to share, but in this first part, even too, just notice how explicit in this slide deck, and you're going to get access to this slide deck um, if you, if you'd like it, but in the initial part, just how explicit Jen is with directions on what is being asked for, or what, what are some tips and things that you should note. So I I just really like that.
1: So right now um, I'm showing this Google slide deck, um, that uh, I put together. And like Joel said, I usually put some transition slides in there, making sure that there's not only just text, but there's also images, right? So thinking about our emergent multilingual population, thinking about, okay, like having these images um, available so that you can see, oh, she's talking about Google slides. There's usually a Google icon or putting in snapshots or icons of whatever platform that you're using. So in this beginning part, um, Uh, much of the first, like, 20 or 30 slides is my attempt to say, hey, when you come into the space, don't make assumptions about what people know about Zoom. What do they know about Google Meets or whatever? Maybe you're using Microsoft Teams. So, thinking about what are the tools of the space? Because the students and people that you might be working with, while they may be like really good with like TikTok and Snapchat and all these other forms of communication, they may not be familiar with Google Slides. They may not be familiar with the Zoom platform and what resources are there. So these first set of slides I have are deliberate snapshots in the Zoom environment. And we go through and we talk about like where are these tools so that um, when we start to communicate um, using these tools, you'll know where they are, and then we get practice with those tools, but being very deliberate about using the screenshots and pausing and allowing people to kind of see, okay, how do I save my work? Where's the participant window? Um, And so...
0: Yeah, and having having these slides, I mean, so she's got a, a... Jen has it for... Google Meet and Zoom and very Mm -hmm. explicit all the different things that you can do and um, in each of them looking for the chat, looking for Hey, how can you offer some quick responses? Thumbs up, thumbs down, clapping, you know, going for coffee.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So like even in this slide here, 14, I usually have that as one of my first slides that's there, like when they're welcome, because the mm-hmm. first thing I want them to do is open their participant window, open the chat. That way, when I ask, there's um, they already have it open so they can respond to whatever prompting question I have in the chat. Or is everyone good to go? Give me a thumbs up in the participant window. So from the get go, they have that and that slides there. So they can always refer back to it if um, for some reason they're not able to find the participant window or the chat window or sharing or turning video off or off. And then just giving examples of like, what does that look like? Once Mm -hmm. you've done it, what does it look like?
0: Yeah. And, and I think you had somewhere a prompt on there, like, Hey, let's practice. And so,
1: yeah, so there's, we did some screen sharing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So what? that's one thing, one way that we can communicate in the space is through screen sharing. And I'm aware that in some places you might have to lock screen sharing down, but in the event that, you know, students aren't going to always be with you in your synchronous sessions, they may be asynchronous and be like, Hey, Joel, let's meet up let's start a Zoom or a Google Meet, right? In this case, a Zoom, and then let's share screens so I can share like what work I've done or we can collaborate in other ways. So not just in that space, but uh, having them know, how do I do this in practice um, is a good thing. Let them practice it in the space so that when they're not in the space, they'll also be able to do it.
0: And one thing I guess too, is that, you know, whatever, you know, communication device you're using, like, And I know that you've attended many webinars and things like that. And I know that our own, my institution is offering things, but that there's also, again, many different training resources out there from the specific products or from Zoom or whatever that you can go and figure out what can I do with this tool and not just like just use it, but also knowing that maybe your students know how to use it even better than you do and being open to Mm -hmm. those conversations or again talking to colleagues hey did you know you could do this and do this and so like even uh my wife came home from a training she's like hey did you know you could do this with zoom like i didn't know that so it's like things that i'm i'm learning as well and so those i mean it's kind of a an emphasis of this whole thing is that hey let's keep kicking the tires of these things. And as they keep getting used, guess what? They're going to keep adding in new things that you can do with them. So
1: 100% like I have zoom and Google meets here, but if you had asked me like, I don't know, two or three months ago, I may, I wouldn't have had the Google meets in here. Mm-hmm. So this past summer, um working with a local school district where we've done this lab school every summer. Um, my good friend, Maggie Hackett said, Hey Jen, can we, can we do some PD on how you would collaborate in the online space? I said, sure. She's like, so I know that the U of A uses Zoom, but our district is using Google Meets. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, I haven't used really Google Meets other than just like joining them sometimes. And it's a very it's a different space. Like they don't mm-hmm. have breakout rooms set up just yet. I think they're gonna have an extension for it. But like you said, I learned from the teachers some of the features of Google Meets. And so learning how to like orchestrate a Google Meets was uh it was a nice thing to learn how to do. But again, being explicit about the tools and extensions and yeah. the different platforms yeah
0: well and then having reason again if you have choice having reasonings for using it so that was a really good reason for using it i use google meet in the spring because and i had we had zoom available also but i use google meet because one the time limit situation wasn't uh, something for us like we were limited to 40 mm-hmm. minutes initially now we're we're uh, can do it whatever but um google meet also had the dial in version and you're like zoom does too but at that point in time when everyone was on zoom they're like hey that might not work and i'm like because of that access thing i'm like i want people to be able to dial into a meeting if they can right Mm -hmm. and so that was a big reason for using google meet and again just having choices what are these if you do have choices make make that choice explicit this is why i'm using this platform you know having those reasonings behind the tools
1: yeah, and then this one was that uh, it was very important to me that I, I use that platform because that's what the teachers were going to be using. So mm-hmm. even though I was more comfortable with Zoom, it was like I tried to take the perspective of like, Jen, this is just another tool that you'll be able to use. And it would be great because that's something that I know future teachers, when they go into school districts, it's they're probably going to have to use the Google Suite, maybe Google Meets right. um, because of the, their particular um, district requirements.
0: And so the, the next, next section, yeah. I was gonna, I'll I'm set yeah. you up. The next <laughs> section you put made is a bunch of uh, Google tools and extensions that you would put onto Chrome. So you've you've definitely uh, showed me some things here and I'm excited to for you to share them. So go for it.
1: Yeah. So just some things that I found helpful with Google tools and extensions. Um, in addition to Google Slides that we'll talk about the collaboration there is that, you know, um, depending on how many devices you have open or if you have one screen or two screens, I found that if you use Google Chrome, there's um, you can pin your tabs. So, sometimes we have a bunch of tabs open and they take up a lot of space. And so, if you go to the tab and you right-click on it, you can click on pin and it'll pin the tab and make it smaller. And so, then you can have even more tabs open, but now the yes. the little tabs are <laughs> smaller, right? And I actually found that quite useful in Google Meets, especially because in order to have breakout groups with Google Meets right now, um, you have to set up several different Google Meets. Mm. And so I would just set up my five groups with the five small tabs in a separate part of my um, screen. And then I'd be like, those were where my breakout groups kind of sat. Um, so that was quite helpful. The pin- I think pinning has been around for a really long time. So even though something is new to me, I know that there's some of these things have been out there for a while. but that was new to me.
0: Yeah. M- mind blowing to me, but yeah, some people are out there are probably saying, yeah, I've, I've been pinning for a while, but like, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe you didn't see the reason for it. Awesome. Yeah.
1: And then with Google meets, they have a mute tab extension. And I mentioned this because for those of uh, people using Google meets, you're going to have multiple meet sessions open. So you'll have multiple tabs open. And so when your students go out into those um, Google meet breakouts, you're going to want to mute some of the tabs. Otherwise you're going to hear all the voices. Right. And so having that extension I found was really, really uh, useful um, when I was working in Google Meets. And then just things like taking snapshots like you know, I've got one here. It's called uh, it's a Chrome extension called Click uh, Full page. I know some Chromebooks have a tool called Snippet. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of kids use Snippet and so you really wouldn't want this. Uh, you wouldn't have to use this, but even though students are using Chromebooks, uh, the teachers might be using a different like um, operating system. Or, uh, device we can uh, also there's an extension for Gifies. so if you want like Gifies put in there or i've got um timers like timer there's one called simple tab timer that i have in my uh, chrome uh, toolbar and i really like it because you can set any time and then you you just have it go and it'll open up a tab with the the running countdown of the time and so when i would send people or people out to breakout groups i'd say okay go ahead and open up your simple tab timer as well as say we'll be back at a certain time in the chat window so multiple places where we're keeping time for uh, transitions and pacing and such so i I found that helpful and then just ways that you can pin like after a while you're like oh i've got all these extensions which ones do i really need because they can start to take up a lot of room and so if you go there's a little puzzle piece along um your bar there. If you just click on that puzzle piece, you can pin and unpin and remove different extensions.
0: Yes, people can see your screen. Yeah, you've got lots of extensions up there. So yeah, <laughs> you got to you got to organize those things. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then because we work in Google Slides, there's tools within Google Slides like um, filling in creating lines, creating shapes. And that's a toolbar um, at the top of your Google slide deck. And so the slide I'm showing now is just a highlight um, with a description of each of the tools. Like here's where you go to create a text box. Here's where you go to create shapes. And so this slide is purposely put in here because my students are going to be working Hmm. in Google slides. And this is more of like a reference. Oh, okay. How do I make shapes again? How do I make this? Where's that? And so I created this slide so that I can always have it in multiple places throughout the slide deck, but also hyperlink in some slides. So it's like, Oh, where do I find this? Oh, how do I insert an image again? Oh, there it is. So it's a nice kind of reference slide.
0: Yeah. I mean like, so anticipating, Hey, you might need to use this. I can just throw this slide in wherever I want. And then there you go. I've got all the information I need. Like, Oh, and then you can refer to it, right? Hey, remember that white slide that's got all the stuff look there for how to create your, Lines, But real quick, right. Jen, yeah. before we dive into Google, I mean, because this whole thing's in Google Slides. Why are we using Google Slides? You know, I've just, I've grown up with PowerPoint or I like Keynote. Like, why wouldn't yeah, I use those? Too. Yeah, me too. Me too,
1: right? So what's nice about Google Slides is that it has a feature where you can, you can invite anyone to be an editor into the Google Slides, and so I can set up a task, and then, like, you and me, we could go in there, and we could collaborate together, and you could say, well, why not just use Google Docs,
0: mm-hmm. right,
1: because um, we can collaborate in that, too, but the, the powerful thing, and we'll see this a little bit later with some of the tasks with slides, is that we can all be working on the same slides, so from a, an educator perspective, I can be, I can have my students in, like, five different groups, right? They're simultaneously working on, in their group on their slide, and I can actually see in real time what, the, what I see happening in the slides, and that gives me information on um, where stu- the, the group of students are in working with the slide, or if I notice, oh, there's no movement in this slide, I don't see anything, <laughs> let me go check in on that group. And when I've done that, sometimes it's because maybe um, what they want to do first is individual reflection time before they come and tackle it as a team problem. But just making sure like, oh, so having Google Slides allows teams to collaborate within a slide to complete a task. And then from the educator's perspective, you can see what students are doing in real time. And then that kind of informs your instruction on where you might go to in your next breakout group or who you might you see ideas forming, you might go talk to them. And so this is that process of in the five practices, thinking about monitoring, you're monitoring to set up, what are you going to select and sequence? So the slides, and it has all the tools kind of built in. And so, yeah, it's nice.
0: Well, and too, like if we were going to do a PowerPoint or, um, you know, keynote, like there's not the collaborative piece as well, or it's not as built into it as these are. I know that each of those things has ways that you can collaborate on them, but it's not as dynamic or I think I say user-friendly yeah. As Google Slides is because
1: um, it's kind of like this live document, right? So right. They, they can come back to it anytime. So we're sharing this now. It's like, oh, my group didn't finish that up. That's okay. You have a link to it. So you can hop back in and you and your teammates can come back and finish the the work from those slides.
0: So one thing that I thought was pretty amazing was this next slide. And I don't know. Can we do this? Oh, let
1: me make a, can I make a, like a, a point just with oh, this yeah. slide? Absolutely. Would,
0: yeah. Make a point. Yeah.
1: So with the Google so in this slide, that's some helpful tools. Um, one thing that the audience will notice if they got to look at this is I've color coded everything. So I feel like color coding is one of those, those teaching things that we do that we should do more of. Right. So then that helps me, especially in the virtual space, to be able to communicate, oh, um, do you want to know how to change color for lines and connectors? Oh, that's the purple, the mm-hmm. purple. And right. You could use pointers. But that, that notion of like thinking about how can I use color coding to my advantage in a lot of these these slides? Yeah.
0: And you'll Yeah. And you'll definitely see that coming up, too, when we get into our group work action right. as well. But the, yeah, this was the a uh, pretty cool thing that you showed that, you know, because we're also thinking about who's participating in our classroom. What are the needs might be? And one of those things might be closed captioning. So. Closed
1: captioning. Yeah. So shout out to Catherine Yeh. So when I went into this, um, I was like, Catherine, what do you do? And what are you going to be doing for this virtual space? And so she shared some slides with me and then she had put it in presenter mode and captioning came up. She's like, I'm like, what is that? And she's like, oh yeah, you can do um, captioning in, in Google Slides. I'm like, what? You what? can't? What? So the thing about, and that's great, right? Because um, sometimes I have a tendency to talk really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And then other times, you know, you've been in, in sessions where it's like you look away for a second and then you come back and you hear things, but maybe it's helpful to see the words mm-hmm. that go with it. The key here is that with, um, you can do closed captioning in Zoom. Um, but you have to have a third party. You can do closed captioning in Google Meets. It's already there, but let's say I'm in Zoom, which I am. Mm-hmm. And then I want to have closed captioning. You have to put your slides in present mode. So if you're looking at your slide deck and you go to the upper right-hand corner, there's a button that says present. And if you click on that button,
0: which Jen just it, did for our audio listeners.
1: Yeah. If you go to the bottom left-hand corner, once you've done this, it'll bring up a toolbar for the slides, like advancing the slides, a pointer, but it also has captions. There's an arrow to the right of captions that if you click on it, you can position where you want your closed captioning to be on the top or the bottom, as well as the text size. So to get captioning to work, you just have to click on the little CC there and you'll see at the top, um, all the words that I'm saying and that Joel, Joel actually. And I Joel. can
0: say some words too and things.
1: You can, oh. but I have my headset in. So oh. if, I, if I had my headset out and the audio coming through my computer was being picked up by the microphone from my webcam, then it would pick up your voice as well.
0: Oh, I, okay. That was different than when I said, okay, awesome. Yeah. So
1: yeah, when we had talked earlier, I didn't have the phone. And so my audio yeah. was all through my webcam. In my computer and so that's why i was able to pick up yours as well
0: so for those that cannot see this if you're on the strictly audio version i mean what jen is saying is just going across the top of the screen and Straight you think across the screen and some, and, and, and well, let's just break through through some things so some people might think well i don't have anyone in my class who is hearing impaired well closed captioning is for more than just that i mean like Jen said, like sometimes it's useful just for comprehension. Like I'm missing what the last things that were said. And now I can see them going across the screen also be for the, someone who doesn't have the earbuds doesn't have audio capability. And just, you know what, what they can do is they can read what's on the screen and that's, that's going to be their way of accessing what you're saying. And so there's so many different things that you could use to act for closed captioning. Um, That's going to be very useful uh, going forward. And, if you do something like this that we're recording it um recording and screen capturing what's happening now you're going to have captions already for your uh for your video that you're creating yeah, you're so. making
1: your videos and you're going through your slides it's, <laughs> it's right there right and right
0: there i'm seeing right it right
1: there <laughs> so let me hop on out of here and then um yeah, so just uh, closed captioning is really good for all the points that you said there. I mean, I, I go to these webinars, and I'm just like, we listen to really brilliant people, and they say these things, and I'm like, oh, how did you say that? We've, all, like, I've had, you've probably had these experiences too, Joel, where you're oh, like, yeah. you're working with your colleagues and your friends, and you're like, what you just said was brilliant. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: you
1: exactly. And, and so the, I think that that helps.
0: So well, yeah. and, and student, and, you know, you might not know who is a, student who's learning english as another language right as well and so there's all these sorts of um another reason why closed captioning is is excellent so excellent sorry
1: yeah so this next section is just i share some additional ways that you might be able to share work and you know one of those things might be screenshotting so different ways that you can screenshot in different platforms whether that's windows or chrome os or your mac so i have a screenshot of how to screenshot (laughs) Yeah, on the slides,
0: very <laughs> explicit directions on very for explicit. all the different things. So yeah, it's awesome.
1: Right, and then also, how do you share a whiteboard in Zoom? So how do you share surfaces? How do you share screen? And so this is one of those. Um, I've got again screenshots of the tools in Zoom and the process you would need to go through to be able to share your screen. But then I also show my students with screenshots too. Um, how you can share your iPhone or your iPad via airplay through zoom. And I I show this deliberately. So we we do have students, some have iPads or um, uh, iPhones and there's a way to share that so that, you know, you can share the work that you're doing. You could create your own webcam basically out of your phone or your iPad, or maybe you have the iPad and the pencil or some of my educators out there, you might have an iPad and a pencil and you can write directly on the iPad and pencil using whatever um, uh, software you have or application you have on your, your iPad. And then you can share that out. And this next picture is just different ways you could use your iPad or your camera to create your own document camera.
0: Yeah, it's a life hack, basically. Like uh, lots of uh, it seems like uh, locker, like locker shelves locker <laughs> with shelves. those with those wire things that you you'd recognize, and then there's uh, clipping onto a lamp, and there's a yeah, Lego Yeah, they took their
1: webcam and just literally clamped their webcam onto a lamp, and then created that space to be able to have like a, a doc cam.
0: Yeah, the la- the one that we questioned, it was just balancing an iPad on a water bottle. I wouldn't suggest that bottle. one, but hey, it works. So, you know. <laughs> i
1: like, oh, yeah, that one's kind of, yeah. and then the Lego one, um, uh, I thought that one too. was really interesting. And then just, you know, sh- thinking about Jamboard, so I've got a slide here that says, here's Jamboard, and then a video. So, across these slides, other things that I'll do is I'll embed videos that describe whatever that tool does. I don't have to recreate things. So that's one thing I just want to put out there is that I know a lot of teachers are awesome and, in creating their own videos, but I highly recommend go out because you may not be the first person who's thought about that. Right. And so let's leverage some of those ideas and resources that are out there and have those video capabilities so that they can just click, watch a video and kind of learn about that space. And then, so those are the tools, right? But I think with any, anytime we go into a class and we're starting a new class, and this was a big, uh, like, you know, in the response back in the spring, it was like, okay, it felt like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to survive, try to thrive in that space. But we had already had established relationships with our students at that point, right? Right. For Mm -hmm. many of us. And so now we're going into the fall and thinking about, okay, how am I going to build relationships in this space? And and it's key. It is, it is key, right? If you can, if people feel seen and heard and you're leveraging their brilliance and their strengths and honoring that um, and cultivating those, like those, those relationships that, any content area, I think you're going to get students on board, right? Because they feel like, hey, this is our space. It's not. It's not the teacher space. This is our space.
0: For right. Collective learning. And to think about that from a uh, just just uh, tie back into what you said before about like complex instruction. Right, that's a huge mm-hmm. thing with complex instruction. What are the assets that? our students have, and how can I build my relationships and thinking about how do they best communicate? How do they best show their understanding? How can they best contribute to groups? How do I, you know, how do we position them to use their strengths in order that, again, we all get better together, right? And so, and that involves developing these relationships. So, yeah, it's, so that's, yeah, that's a big concern for, I think, a lot of teachers right now. If you're going to be primarily online, or you're starting online, or whatever, you think, like, how am I going to do this work that, we did prior to being online before, so I could lean on those relationships, but now I'm, I'm starting from scratch. So you, you have scratch. you have lots of ideas. This is great.
1: Yeah. And in fact, I mean, that's, that's a huge chunk. Um, I'm going to spend a lot of time building those relationships because we want to feel comfortable in the space. We want to feel like we can bring our whole selves to the space and that takes time. Right, that takes mm-hmm. time, but that's how that's how we need to start off going into the fall. Is thinking about how am I going to cultivate um, these relationships uh,
0: together? Well, and what was eye opening to me, Jen, is you get to that, that like uh, slide forty four, mm-hmm. where you describe your learning community and you you kind of go through some things like putting away distractions, reduce background, like going through a, a list of expectations for what might happen within your um, virtual space. And and some of these things are, will directly translate to you could use them in a face-to-face space as well and mm-hmm, thinking about mm-hmm. what are we going to do uh, to make everyone feel safe so that they could thrive in the classroom. What, what, what struck me is that a lot of times, you know, I, I'm very deliberate with, like, I want to set up my classroom for success from the beginning. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I think, oh, okay, it's been said, it's been done, and now – I, I might not talk about it anymore. And then when somebody violates one of those things or, or, or just, you know, is not holding it up. i I get upset. But I'm like, when was the last time I talked about this? It was the first yep. or second class right. versus I could have a slide where it's just a quick reminder and using images to say like, Hey, here are the things that we are standing for in this classroom that, you know, that we all can agree on. It's not just the the two things or three things that I said at the beginning of class. And that's what you had to remember Versus no 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 this is something that we're all accountable to um, throughout and we're getting reminders of it by putting on a slide and so I'm thinking why don't I do that like it's just something so simple.
1: That's a really good point. Like and and to build on what you just said, Joel, I'll say um, so. I think sometimes the reason one of the reasons that norms and things can kind of fail or these agreements of how we're going to interact in the space fail. Uh, or feel like they're failing is because one, we don't revisit them enough. And throughout the year, it's not just that first week or two where we're setting things up. It, it happens throughout the year that we come back and revisit. The second thing I would say is how are you revisiting them? So sometimes I've seen it. We revisit these norms of interaction or uh, the ways that we've said we're going to interact together. And it only comes up when you violated the norm. Yep. But why aren't we always attending to when things go really well? Yes. Like yes. when are we attending to the norms like I really liked how you attended to your right to make mistakes or right to, you know, thinking about Torres's rights of the learner and Crystal mm-hmm. Kellinet Craig and her work shout out that, you know, like you have the right to say what makes sense to you and you just did that. Thank you for helping me grow. Right, it, it 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 seems like it's oh we're gonna to have to revisit it, but it's in all those little moments, those um what Deborah Ball calls those discretionary spaces, right? Mm-hmm. In the that you make those decisions that could change the dynamics of what happens in your classroom.
0: Where they say better uh, better caught than taught, right? You know, right. like noticing those <laughs> things. We we got all sorts of rhymes.
1: Exactly. Uh, so that's how I, I start off the session. And I, um, what I found in the spring, what I've done in the spring and here is I also take a moment to invite people to kind of just breathe. Mm-hmm. Right. So we come into the space, we're experiencing Zoom fatigue, we're still in a global pandemic there's lots going on and it manifests itself in our bodies in our minds, our mental health. And so I usually invite everyone in the space to take a few minutes to just follow along with this beautiful, like polygon gift, the breathe in breathe out gift is on this slide. And the idea um, that you can't pour from an empty cup, like you can give and give and give, but what are you doing to fill your cup? And so we, I invite you, uh, the people in the space to come and just do a little bit of breathing with me. They can opt out. You might say, you might want to turn your camera off for this. Feel free to do whatever you need to do to kind of set our intention for learning and community today, like taking deep breaths in and out, relaxing our shoulders, recognizing where we're feeling tension and just letting it go and knowing that um, we're in this work together and we're going to learn a lot from one another, right? Like learning and community, but also just recognizing let's just take a breath here.
0: And then what do we need? And One that we've used with uh, my child, but then I I also use it myself, is, you know, sometimes we need to take five. And if I tell my my youngest to take five, he puts his fingers out. This is from the Center for the Healthy Mind out of Madison, which they probably borrowed it from somewhere too. But anyway, that's where I learned it. But it would trace your hand, and as you go out, you, like from my thumb to the tip of my thumb, you breathe in. And then when you come back, breathe out and breathe in. Just tracing your hand.
1: Oh, that's beautiful.
0: good tip to, and like you know, basically to say to my you know students or so when I'll go into an elementary classroom sometimes with my energy I get get them all jacked up like all right now let's take five and then you know hey they're getting a little counting practice especially when they're younger mm. you know and they're also like hey let's practice on recognizing their breath in and out and we're going to slow down and they're following me and they're you know just oh, I love that with the, that. the
1: hands and then they're getting the counting in there too yeah that's oh I like that
0: yeah so you're giving I things not that. just for yourself but you're also giving things for your for your students right that the you could right. be using in the future
1: yeah so these next couple of slides um 48 through 50 are slides that I got from Teresa Wills and thinking about getting students like it's about student voice and these slides here in particular check in slides, you can think of um, the think about which one doesn't belong. So this slide kind of has that which one doesn't belong feel because you've got the four corners, it has pictures that represent different emotions. And in the middle, we've got a star that it's it, I've created a draw pile there where um, you can take the star from the draw pile and you can just drag it along. Like I'm really tired today. And your students can just drag stars and kind of put them wherever they're feeling. So it's that check-in, right? So I would say when you go into you're starting everything and you're building these relationships, take the temperature of the room, check in with your students. This could be through a visual, it could be through chat, but how are you checking in with them? Not just taking attendance, right? Like, how are you checking in with how people are feeling in your yeah. space? So you
0: know, they're excited. Uh, it's looks like excited. I'm Zen. I'm angry. I'm tired. You know, like, and right. so, and this draw pile, just like you think about it from a game, it's a, it's a never ending stack of star or, Well, there's eventually an end to it, but like you make it as many stars as you need and we'll show you. There's going to be a slide later to show you how to do that, which I I learned. Um, But it's kind of neat because like, because everyone can be represented on this Mm -hmm. single slide, which is.
1: And this is anonymous too, right? So in Mm -hmm. some of these, it's like, do you, you go into Google, sometimes you're anonymous. Sometimes if you're in the school district, you actually know which person it is by the little bubbles that are that show up, but here's an example where you can take a temperature and it's not any one person singled out. Like you just got a sense, oh, looks like a lot of people are feeling very excited today. I'm happy to hear that. Um, uh, The next slide is a a variation of that. So it's the same four pictures, but there she's, uh, Teresa Wills has put text boxes over them. So you just say, I invite you to grab a text box and then just type in where it is, like why you're feeling that way, Uh, Or you can put your name in, but um, putting it in the the different spots gives you information. And the next one is um, not anonymous. So that's another option where you have the same four pictures and they're labeled A, B, C, and D. And then there's text boxes where you can fill in your name, what letter corresponds to the emotion you're feeling, and then why are you feeling that way. So just three variations of kind of a check-in, depending on um, the purpose of the the check-in and what you want to know from it.
0: What I like about this set of slides, Jen, is that it it gives – hey, I'm not just – I'm doing the same – basically doing the same thing. We're checking in. I'm, I want to know how you're feeling. But it gives different levels of, okay, may, I want everyone to be anonymous or I want people to justify or I want – it's just the reasoning behind it. And so now I can think about doing this with other, other images or other things, but now I'm – what's the intention behind it? You know, this – you could even use this for um, – for a problem solved, like, hey, I think the answer to this question is Mm -hmm. this, here's my, here's this me, here's my letter, here's my rationale, and you get to see what other people have to say. I mean, it could be the same sort of thing, and you could do it very anonymous to very, um, very unanonymous, right? So.
1: Right. And so even though you and I are in math education, you can see about how, like, you could reach out to other colleagues and say, how might you use this in literature? How might you use this in other, um, um, things that you teach it 's not just for math teachers, how could you use this particular template in the work that you do with uh, your students this uh, slide fifty one is also another one that uh, Teresa wills uh, created, but this idea of like what are your successes and celebrations right so like that 's another way that you can do a check in um, with your kiddos with your peers, whoever you 're collaborating with like What I like about this slide is that it's just blank, right? In terms of, it, we've got the background, but let's say that I want students to get used to some of the different Google slide tools. I can say, okay, go grab a shape, but make it a different shape. Go grab um, a pentagon. Some of you might grab a hexagon, but then you're kind of embedding like, oh, what's a hexagon? What's a pentagon? What's If I said, I want everyone to go grab an octagon and fill it in, right? So that might be some way that you get some uh, uh, some formative assessment kind of thing yeah, in yeah. there, but also getting them familiar with the tools in the space, and they also get to share out what are their successes and celebrations.
0: Right, that was one thing we talked about, like in in something else, uh, in previous conversations was using a tool in some maybe non-threatening or non-threat, like low-risk ways or low, you know, like even low academic. or Just answering some things personally about myself, I know the answer. It's it's my own answer, right? Where. I'm using the tool to do that. So now I'm not thinking about using the tool when I'm doing it later for maybe a more academic purpose, right? So building in those experiences as much as you can. Just even what you said, drag the star. Hey, they're figuring out how to drag and drop uh, something within... Google Slides. There you go. That could be. Yep. So, my dad exactly. didn't be. I want to be anonymous. I just want to see hey, can you drag something around a Google slide? Yeah.
1: So. And it's a tool that they'll be able to take with them when they collaborate outside of the classroom, when we're in the classroom, like in the space that, oh, yeah, I could just use an arrow to show you what I mean. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that um, it's multi layered. I'm getting information about them and their lives and successes that I can revisit next week or the week Mm -hmm. after. I remembered when so-and-so put this on because you can invite them to put their names on it or not. Yeah. That's another thing that you could do um, with that. And then you're, you've got more information about um, your students and you're starting to see them um, be able to try to bring their whole selves to that space. And I say that because that transitions nice into this next slide that I'm showing here. So if I'm asking my students to kind of share um, their experiences themselves and I want them to be able to bring their whole selves to the space, I've got to do that too. Like I need to, to model ways in which I'm vulnerable. If I say that this is a community of learning and I'm here to learn from you, um, it's not just about learning from me, then I have to share things about myself and so this slide um, is just a set of different pictures. And I have to give a shout out to our good friend, Teddy Chow. Oh, yeah.
0: Um,
1: it, because he does a lot of work around digital storytelling. And so um, he introduced me to this work of digital storytelling, how we you can use pictures that kind of represent um, different aspects of your life. Um, it, and it doesn't have to be just that. It could be like, what was mathematics like learning for you? and So these are just images that I put up that represent just a little bit about me that you might not think. Because when you go into a space, you might look at me, someone might look at you, and they make automatic assumptions about who you are, what you can do, Mm. right? That comes into play. And so one way that I know that you and I are actively trying to get um, people into mathematics, in particular um, students of color, Going into maybe math or STEM or whatever they want to pursue, is that um, that they see that represented in images, right? Like representation matters. Right. Um, um, so that's kind of how I frame this, is because I am a biracial Thai um, American, and so my mom uh, is Thai um, and she immigrated here. My dad was white. And so being biracial and growing up in a predominantly white rural area of Kentucky, my experiences might be quite different than you might assume they would be given that what you know about me is that I'm an associate professor. I'm in math education in a math department. That's just one facet of my humanity. So showing pictures and telling, um, this story, honestly was quite therapeutic for me. I didn't realize how much I needed to tell it, um, to people and um yeah it 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 shows a a more human side of me i guess because i think sometimes there's this disconnect between you as an educator and then your students right we talked about how you you go to the grocery store and they're like miss why like why are you at the grocery store and it's like well i got it i got a grocery store too (laughs) yeah right right and so these images here just kind of represent how i came to where i am today like what my journey is um Um, growing up where I did and how I did had a huge influence on whether or not I spoke up in class on whether or not people thought I was capable, um, to be in that space, um, So all of this, I I like this particular picture. Some people ask me about this in the bottom right-hand corner of the slide is this person with a green backpack hugging me. And you can see the NCTM symbol in the background. Mm -hmm. And this is a special moment for me because uh, the other slides I had shared in this talk that I gave, and it was the first invited talk for NCTM I had ever given. And this participant came up to me after and asked if they could hug me because they my story resonated so much with them because they too were a mixed race, biracial educator of similar descent. And it just resonated with her because she's like, she told me, I see you and I value what you say. Like it was, it was pretty beautiful moment. And so it just, it reminded me that that my mere existence, right. Can help so many people right? Oh, yeah. That representation and those stories that we tell and um, showing that vulnerability.
0: And just think about how much you share. I mean, just how much is there within six pictures and that if we give our opportunity for our students to do something similar, and then, mm-hmm. you, and then you get to see possibly the intersection of some of these things that they're, you know, they're revealing about themselves intersect with others in the class or even with you as the instructor. And it's like, those could be powerful connections or conduits in t- which, again, we all can get better by having those ways of communicating with each other, mm-hmm. that, those connections, those relationships. And, again, figuring out how to do that in a, in, at a distance. And here's a definite here's example, example of how to do that. Yeah,
1: I think if we're asking our students to share, um, then we should be willing to share ourselves because this is a community for learning. I'm part of that community. And so going into any community space, knowing that I'm here to learn from and with you.
0: Right. Um, so yeah. that actually reminds me, that actually reminds me of something, Jen. It's like a conversation we had at PMENA a couple oh, years ago and yeah. where, you know, I had shared some things uh, about my faith and you had a situation, a teaching situation that came up where you wanted to have a conversation about that. And that, Ended up, we had what an hour long conversation. Yeah, and, yeah. But because again, we both knew a little bit about each other, and then able to have that connection, that allowed us to get better. That facilitated these conversations have in the future. Facilitated us being better for our students. It's just, you know, it, it is one of those things. Like we do. Some people want to be. You, and there's a reasons to be protected about things, and 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 we, mm-hmm. you know, we we know that that's that. There's reasons for that. But also, too, right. if there's a possibility, if you are, if you do re- model the kind of relationships or f- kind of vulnerability you want your students to have in order to for them to have with their own students to be a more effective, I mean, we can do that. We can do that. And there's some beautiful things can happen. And so, I don't know, just putting that out there. And I know we've both benefited from having that. Oh, yeah. So.
1: We've had really good conversations. Yeah, I think we that, have. Yeah, Yeah, we've had lots of good conversations. Yeah. So just, you know, sharing, sharing our stories, I think brings us closer to people and exercising that. Well, you see their humanity, right. And mm-hmm. then you can, it just provides a much more um, lively space where people feel like they can be them. Right. right. Um, and you can honor that. And then I just talk a little bit about my positionality. Like I'm still this educator in progress. And then just some questions on kind of how I orient, how I teach, like, all students have brilliant ways of knowing. So how do I promote and value students participation in mathematical discourse that position them as mathematically competent or take out mathematically and just insert your own, right? Like what is your, your discipline area or how do I cultivate a learning environment where students develop positive mathematical identities and, and a sense of belongingness? Cause while I do think students are going to learn the content that's in your course, If you think about things that are really powerful for you, it's about how you felt maybe in that space, Mm -hmm. that experience you had. Hopefully it was a positive one, but negative ones have just as much power. right? Right. And so that's why I say people first before the content, because it's about those experiences that you have and those feelings that get generated in those spaces. Yeah. And then, you know, shout out to our friend Mandy again, right? Like how do you learn to shift students views from uh, of competence from performative to participatory yeah. and then in my own work how do I move it from it's about the individual to the collaborative I feel like students have a lot of experience doing things individually but there's power in collaboration we hear this a lot be like the collectivism right mm-hmm. collaboration what does it look like and have you felt that power before right um yeah and so yeah building relationships and then the next set of slides are just really like what are some ways that you can get to know um, your students like something that's really popular right now is the this or that
0: mm-hmm.
1: right do you like sweet or do you like savory um, do you like pasta do you like pizza and so on this particular slide set up one of those this or thats and four different columns and each student can kind of put their name in a column and then they'd grab these check mark draw piles and then they just put in where what they prefer and then you can send them to breakout groups and they can talk about the different preferences they had and you could then take um the data that's generated from this and you could make like bar charts and graphs and have a data analysis but it's generated from um what they like
0: right what's beautiful here is then you show this whole setup that We've got the this or that set up, the breakout groups, uh, and then the roles, mm-hmm. and then a, a slide for what are the, the the definitions for what is going into each role, mm-hmm. and the turn-taking protocol uh, is very explicit there, and then a slide for each group to then go and engage in that within their breakout groups. It's Thanks. And this is kind of going to be reflected throughout what we're going to show going forward with tasks, but like how can you use these slides to set everyone up to having uh, every group having their color, every color uh, being very explicit about what, uh, what is being expected uh, from folks. It's, it's kind of a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Like, so slide 61 through 65, like when you open up the slide deck, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, these are a lot of slides. But in some cases it's multiple, it's just duplicates. So you can kind of see what it would look like in a slide deck. So as Joel said, you've got, I've got these five slides and the background for my first slide is purple because breakout group one is my purple team and it's explicitly written in words, but also you have a purple background. And then within the slide itself, I've hyperlinked by highlighting the turn taking protocol text, hyperlinked it back to the slide that describes the protocol. Or I have the list of the, the purple team who's in the purple team. There's an image. Um, that I snapshot it of, like, here's the task monitor, the different roles, and then it's also hyperlinked, so you can go back to the description of the roles at any time, and that's done for each of these slides, like my next slide, breakout group two is the blue slide, and breakout group three is the red team, and so on and so forth, and so they, they go, and they collaborate in their slides, they're in their breakout rooms, and I can see all the check marks moving around, and then I can hop around and see see what's going on in the the conversations that they're happening i can jot down some of the things that i heard so that when we come back to whole group if we have a whole group discussion around those like what did you like this or that that um, i can call upon people or invite people to share their ideas
0: and something too again going back to resilient like this is something you could totally use in a face-to-face environment as well mm-hmm. and giving everyone access to the thing but everyone can also see it at the same time it's it'd be better than having a chart paper that's only facing one way in a classroom, right?
1: But you can also think of it that way. What are ways that I've used chart paper in my classrooms? Could I take that idea and move it into the virtual space? Mm -hmm. Or my gallery walks, when I do gallery walks, what do those look? That's the nice thing about slides, right? Because now I can take a virtual, like a gallery walk Mm -hmm. within the slides. Uh, The next set of slides are just ways that I've gotten to know my students. So Sarah Vanderwerf um, has a lot of great resources on her site. One of which I know has been super popular is name tents. And so these name tents that you can use in the face-to-face, you've got a table. It's like a, just think about a name tent, right? You just fold your cardstock. And inside the cardstock is printed um, uh, a table that has like the first five days and then it's a two-row table that has like five columns. Let's just go with five days. And then you have a prompting question. Um, you might say, um, "What's your what's your favorite book or video, or what do you like to do in your spare time?" Some kind of prompt. And then the student will write their response. And then as the teacher, I would go in and I would um, respond back to them. So that's a physical nameplate. They would at the end of every day they turn it in. I fill it out, give it back to them. The next day they get to see. Um, And that way we can communicate across. So I thought, what what does that look like in the digital space? So Sarah um, had posted work by Kristen Foss and her Twitter handle is here, but she created name tents through Desmos. Right? Yeah, that's great. It's wonderful, right, and so one of the things i'll mention for the listeners out there is that when you go to the slide deck, make sure that you click on some of the images because yeah. a lot of the images I have in here have been hyperlinked
0: yeah there's links everywhere
1: this, there's yes. links everywhere, so if you're not sure, just i mean just click on the image and it, it may be already hyperlinked, so this one is where it's uh kristen's uh, development of the the name tense so you can go in and look at that desmos activity Desmos now has a Uh, a feedback feature where once a student puts something in, you can respond back to them, which is perfect for the name tense. There's also an image and a link to a hundred different prompts that you can use. So um, sometimes I'm not the most creative and I have to think about the prompts, but here you go. A hundred prompts, and you can choose from there and then have them um, respond and and you can respond. And it's, the name tense is great because it also has the ability to upload a picture and then it has the picture and then it has the uh, name tag right next to them. So then you have a picture and the name tag within Desmos and these name tents when you're responding. So wonderful. Flipgrid is another resource.
0: Um, a lot of people I, have been using Flipgrid. That's. Yeah. Something. yeah.
1: I think it's great. I, I, you know, students can go in and kind of respond through reflection. They can share their work. Um, you can make the, make them private or public right? Students can comment on other students or you can just make it where it's the student and the teacher, but it's a quick way to, or another venue, right? For mm-hmm. students being able to show their understanding of whatever concept or topic or um, that you've been talking about in class. The next slide slides, like 70 through 72. <laughs> the, the listeners are probably like 70 through 72. Um, it's just uh, a more around that digital storytelling. So I have a, a snapshot of the, the story and pictures that I told. And what I th- one of the things that I have here is that there's a description of, like, share or create two visuals that re- best represent your feelings and experiences learning math. Describe how these visuals uh, represent your feelings. So what I might do is invite the students to create their own Google slide. And this, these would be the prompts and then um, have them create their Google Slides, upload their Google Slide into Classroom or whatever platform you're using, and then have it, um, have all those slides, put them in a slide deck, and then have everyone do a gallery walk to kind of look at the different things they see. And then I might do, um, uh, I learned this from teaching tolerance, a uh, constructive listening dyad. Mm. So like a protocol where I could pair you off. And then you have a timer and you have like two minutes to address each of the prompting questions I have around your mathography, if you will. And then you have to listen generously. And then the other person takes two minutes um, and they only take the two minutes uh, to share their story. And then there's again, an activity where you're getting to, you have slides of the different ways that students think about themselves and with respect to mathematics or their own identity as learners. And then you can have them talk to each other and get to know each other. You can do a gallery walk around the images.
0: But, and this is something that I I'm totally replacing because I would have my students do a a math history, not a mathography, math Mm. history and uh, all one word. And uh, we would um, do it as a paper. And it's like, it's a lot of papers to read versus like images I think might be more powerful. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Something to, to kind of show and like how a lot of people, that's how we communicate. Right. A lot of times it's through images, like a lot, like how much is being said in your, the six images that you've selected for yours. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like instantaneous versus like, right.
1: Mm -hmm. And then we can have conversations around that. Right. Right. Just thinking about what are the different ways that we can, express what we know and communicate it. It doesn't always have to be written. It doesn't always have to be oral. It could be through images. It could be maybe, uh, so many other ways that I haven't even thought about. Right. But it's that journey of figuring that out that can open up doors for more people being able to, to share who they are and their thinking.
0: It looks like the rest of the, the lots of different prompts and mm -hmm. things and ways to communicate, um, Communicate some some thoughts like again, took him looking back at digital storytelling from Teddy Chow that's probably a mm-hmm. shout out there, and then uh, and then even the ideas about smartnesses in math and like giving some prompts that way.
1: Yeah, so this the next set of slides is really looking at like how do we cultivate what it means to be smart in math and like what we want to do is uh, this is just an activity where for the first for the next three minutes individually think about three different ways you're smart in math and then we're trying to broaden the notion of what it means to do mathematics and who can be do mathematics right but in particular it's not just about calculations and procedures there's lots of things that we do that are very mathematical right that aren't focused on performing and so generating those what what does it mean to be smart in math and then I just the next couple slides are just slides that have a background of of note cards it's a decorative background Mm -hmm. but they just grab a text box and drop in what are the different ways that that they're smart in math um here's yet another one that's just a bunch of cloud bubbles that I've created a background so you might be like oh what do you mean background so you can create slides and maybe there's parts of your slides that you don't want moved
0: This This is key. This is very key. key. This is very key because
1: things will go around everywhere once people start collaborating. And so there's going to be pieces of your slide you don't want moved. If you design that ahead of time and, you know, these are the pieces I don't want to move, then you can um, take that slide and you go over here. I'll just do it. You go to file. Um, download and then, and later on in the slide deck, there's actually a video on how you do this. So no worries. If you you don't get to this particular part in the, the zoom session here, we have recorded and then you just save it as a JPEG. And then if you, once you've saved it as a JPEG, wherever you've saved it, you can open up and add like a blank slide and then go to the word background in your toolbar and you can choose the image from wherever you've saved it. Right. And then drop it in there and it makes that background and there you go. None of the things are going to move on that slide that you just made.
0: Yeah. And again, that's key. Cause especially when you have things that you want, like the thing where you want people to drag around stars, if you just yeah. had a bunch of images that you're, that you're dragging stars onto all of a sudden, they're going to be dragging those images around. And like, now you don't know who's picking what. And for like, you only want things to move that you want the students to move. So again, make everything else the, uh, uh the background image. So background I, image never yeah. I mean that was one of those like ah I mean it makes sense and it's just like it's one of those things like that's we need a, we need each other to help there. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's not something that you you would have thought of necessarily until you experienced it, right? So in the spring I was doing Venn diagram work for sorting shapes with my students and mm-hmm. they kept moving the circles and I was like, "Oh man, I should have made the circles not move. Okay, how do I do that?" Right? right. So then, you know, you check out Google.
0: Yeah. Well, what's cool uh, here is like, I mean, you've got how many different ways here to show, to do this one thing about how to be smart, be and, smart. That, yeah. and like thinking about again, one for any teacher, like you can change that to whatever content you're doing. Right. What does it mean mm-hmm. to be, you know, uh, if I'm teaching French, what does it mean to be a, a French speaker, like proficient in French? What does that mean? Or um, what does it look like to be, you know, a good reader or whatever, like a reader. Um, and we have different ideas about what that is. And so all these different ways that we can communicate that, you I'm got word it. clouds and things.
1: Yeah, word clouds that, you know, there's a Google app, um, add on called Slido, that'll create a Google, uh, like a, um, a word cloud for you. So you could just have them get out their devices, go to this website, put in the word that, that makes the smart, and then it creates this word cloud. There's another one called Menti that you could also use. It would create the world, uh, word cloud. And one of the things I liked about it is it, and we talked about this before, it has a profanity filter in all the languages. So if that's something that you're worried about, then Menti might be an option for you there.
0: Someone's going to swear in Dutch. You're ready to go. <laughs> <pretty> Dutch, right?
1: <laughs> and then you. Know, it's still kind of like, it's all that set up. The, the, I mean, a, a big chunk of these slides are like, how do you set up that? going into the first couple of weeks, like, this is our classroom, like, what makes you comfortable in a classroom, Uh, what helps you learn math in a group, and so this next structure is just some slides laid out to, okay, here's a slide that specifically says you have eight minutes to work on um, the prompting questions that were in the previous slide, I'm going to use the simple tab timer extension we talked about before to set the timer, and then the next set of slides are just like, individual slides that are color-coded. So I have four people in the purple group. I have four purple slides and each slide has four, those four prompting questions in a text box that they can respond to. And they just grab one of the slides. Like I'm going to take the first slide um, and then Joel's going to take the second slide and then they're working individually on those eight minutes in their slides.
0: Yeah, and then you as as the, as the instructor can quickly cruise through. So yeah, you do have you know, so many slides, but it's real quick to see like, oh, there's not a lot of action happening on that slide. What's going on? Is there, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just like walking around a classroom. You're just cruising around these slides.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, just some transition slides. So one of the things that, um, our listeners have probably noticed if they've gone into different webinars is that sometimes you get sent to breakout rooms, but then you're like, what were we supposed to do? Yeah. Like what were the prompting questions? Did somebody take a screenshot of that? Yeah. So I the slide
0: in, the, in the first room, where are those? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. And so just as when, as educators, when we're um, engaged in facilitating our lessons, we have to think about our transitions. Same thing in the virtual space. How are we going to transition from one activity to the next? or one discussion to the next. And so the next slides are just some examples of things that you might do. Like I have transition slides where they may just be images. Like here I have an image of the Google Jamboard icon, an image of the mic, uh, a timer, like a little clock image, a Padlet icon, or like I have a little pencil, color pencils. And so these images represent, hey, these are the resources that you'll need for our next Activity and it's in a slide, so they can always be like, Oh, okay, I need to go get paper, or I need to ha- make sure my mic's working, or I need a timer, or whatever it is they need. But I also have it in written form, so like for the next breakout activity, and just written out. You could have your icons in there, too. But before I transition them into the breakout group, here are the things that we're going to need to know are there any questions? Uh, What questions do you have? Drop them in the chat. Is everyone ready? Give me a thumbs up in the participant window. If you're ready to go and then send them to their breakout groups, but those slides are there. So if then they get in the breakout groups and they're like, what are we supposed to do? They know that once you've got that routine of, Oh, remember the instructions and transitions are always a couple before our group activity.
0: And especially thinking about if you're using zoom and you're setting up your breakout rooms and like, you know, if you have to manually do it or you're, you know, whatever there's a, there's a tr- time for transition that's happening there you're waiting for people to go into the rooms y- hey you you're telling them exactly what they need to do to prepare and it doesn't get to be oh I got in there now we're going to now I've got to cruise around to every breakout room hey you need this this and that and like no it's like set it up so you're you you're not wasting time so
1: exactly this uh so slide 110 is another way to organize that transition in the breakout activity. This, again, is from Teresa Wills, where she has um, different text boxes, and it says, insert group structure here. Are you doing pairs or triads? So it's also a reminder for you, that transition when you're going through this, like how much time will there be? What are the instructions? And here are the links that you need for this activity. So it's all in one slide it's there. It can help you as the the educator, but also your students and what, what should be going on.
0: All right, Jen. So the next yeah. 100 slides are. <laughs> He's not exaggerating tasks. folks. I'm yeah, sorry. Yes. Example tasks. And you know, we're, we're not going to walk through every single one, but I right. wonder if there's something that would kind of, and so again, they're all set up. So like these could be used by Jen in tomorrow, if she's got the right numbers set up for, you know, with the groups and all that. But if, if there's a few of them that you want to just highlight, that kind of take out these principles of, I mean, we we've kind of gotten some things from the you know building relationships sort of section of this yeah. the tools, but I mean, like you're trying to do things that people probably haven't thought about, like trying to do complex instructions again, a group work that's trying to break down some of the you know power dynamics that are that can typically exist within whenever we use groups. Mm -hmm. You're trying to do that, and so there's lots of different structures here. So I don't know. Is there one in one or two tasks in particular you want to highlight?
1: Um, I need to think about that. So I think across the task, one big theme is that you want to set up the task. But I always think about students need to be doing. Mm-hmm. right? Like yes. they don't need to hear from me constantly. So how am I setting up the task so that it requires them to, to make a video or to go grab an image or to type in some text or to create an audio file or something, right? Cause that, Thinking about those, like, okay, maybe this task, how long is it going to take? Are they doing something? Are they reflecting? Are they writing? Are they engaging in, in, in doing? So I think across the task, what I've tried to do is keep it where students are having to do something in that movement where they're able to show their voice and their thinking. So like this first task is similar to another task where, um, it's basically set up where go find an image, like we were talking about the mathography or digital, digital storytelling, go find an image that represents some, this, whatever your prompt is. Like, what was the transition like for you? That's one that um, my colleagues, Crystal, Kalanick, Craig, and Naomi Jessup used when we facilitated a session thinking about equity in the, in the virtual environment. Like, what's the transition look like for you? Set up the slides, and then just go find all the funny gifts. It's actually a nice way to get people talking to each other. Like, right. some of the gifts are really funny, um, but that's something that you could do. Or a similar task that's in there is uh, same structure. Is what does six feet look like? Mm. We're in a global pandemic. They keep telling us social distancing. What does six feet look like? And then let's find some mental rulers. Of six feet. So you're kind of engaging in like estimation, you're looking at your measurement tool, um, you're engaging in, oh, I'm being socially responsible and making sure that I'm six feet apart. Right, And I think some of
0: the images that you had were were the the shopping carts. Yeah,
1: shopping carts.
0: A moose. <laughs> a moose. Like if you're in <laughs>
1: Canada, when I want to think about our Canadian folks too. Like a hockey stick.
0: Yeah, or uh, a Wisconsin people, yeah. badger football fan. I talked about Bucky's axe. <laughs> they kind of used threw that out there. Or a cow, maybe.
1: Right. <laughs> but they're doing something right. Like they're learning. They're they're bringing in images that resonate with them. That give them these mental uh, rulers and engaging in safe distancing for the pandemic that we're in right now. And so they just drop those slides in. Uh, the ordering number task is one of those when we you were talking about CI and how do yeah. you make a task so that it requires the intellectual efforts of everyone in the group, but also a wide range of strengths.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so with this one, it's basically a game board right, where you can drag cards and you're ordering um, different representations of quantity and then having to come up with a different strategy for ordering them. So this is very interactive the students each find their corner of the board. It's color coded. Only they can move certain cards,
0: mm-hmm. um, and that's communicated by color again. So, like mm-hmm. the purple group has purple background, but then each each player of the four within the group, and again, they can only move their cards. Is so each player is indicated by a different color, shade of uh, a different color, and they get to move the cards. And and when we did this in in. Physical form. It was really nice. You had a card that you would write your name on, and only you could move that card. And so now, how you're signifying it is by color. And so putting, wanting to put these cards in order so that they match uh, or they are in sequence from least to greatest. And what's great about this task is that again, it was a way to translate something that you know I I thought was a. (laughs) It was a very physical task. There's a lot of cutting and putting things together and clipping things, and then here's a a set of slides that I can then translate into a online environment. And what's cool is that you created ways to hop back and forth between two slides and uh, where there's a typing icon, where if you click the typing icon, you go to where you're supposed to write your justifications. What is this or what are the strategies you use to order the quantities like we compared, uh, we saw common numerators. We saw common denominators. We, mm-hmm. um, you know, translated something to a fraction or a decimal. And so anyway, yeah,
1: and then once you've recorded your strategies, it's hyperlinked back with another yeah. icon on the recording page to get you back to the game board. Right. And so just being able to like, that's another thing, like hyperlinking back to resources that they might find helpful within the task. Um, is something that I try to do across the tasks. Um,
0: and what's cool about this this activity is, I can use this sorting activity with anything that I want to things to be put in some order. I could use uh, um, you know, I could use it on as a timeline. I could use it at, in you know, ordering uh or grouping uh, different uh, functions of different degrees or different. I mean, different ways of putting graphs and tables and different representations of different things together. So there's all sorts of ways we could use that set up um, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool so
1: yeah the next set uh like that highlight i would just like probably bring out is um again getting students to move things right and talk mm-hmm. to each other and collaborate one that i like is our good fat uh, friend uh matt felton kessler yes uh, has a it's a great youtube channel where he is known as mathy matt and so in this, uh, the time back in the spring, he had created videos in response, um, to, uh, how we were all teaching now, created these videos. And it happened to be that he had created some ones around area and I was doing area. We were talking about the concept of area. So this was set up. I had students work individually on finding the area of different shapes, only using their knowledge of the area of a rectangle so they would do that individually then they came into groups and that was the session for the day and I said for homework I want you to finish that out they came back to class the next day what am I going to have them do so I consult my good friend Matt here and I'm like let's watch a video of Matt talk about the different strategies like informal area strategies and so what they did is they watched the video and then they each have their own color-coded slide and it's a card matching Uh, based on the video. So I have images, snapshots from the video. So I learned this from one of Teresa Will's PD that it's very helpful if you can take screenshots of the exact thing they saw in the video so that when you go to do a card sort, or you go to do something else, it sparks that kind of memory. Mm -hmm. And so with this one, they have different strategies. They can move the cards. Like maybe this is the, the chunking strategy down here and then the chunking strategy description card, they move it, they double click, and then they can put this in here. What I like about this task that I'll bring up is that this is a task I could see easily being adapted for group group collaboration around it, So because you're working together to try to describe the, the strategies. But this could also be one that if I had a student who wasn't able to be with us that day, they could go into the slide, or that I could give them a blank slide, they could watch the video and do this themselves, right? Right. So this has the potential for collaboration, but could also be done individually if the student wasn't able to meet with us uh, uh, in person. And then just some reflection slides. Now I want you to think about each person, how do your strategies or your group strategies connect to what you saw Matt do in his video? what's the same what's the different how might you apply these strategies in a different for different shapes and so that process of reflection in each of those tasks that you bring so i think that we've talked about collaboration but also thinking how do you get students to reflect upon collectively what you were able to to learn from one another through the task
0: and what i like about these is that okay now i've got these think pair share slides i can use these whenever i want to do this structure Again, same thing as I would have certain, like my core set of structures that I would use in my class. Now I can have sets of slides that dict- that are demonstrating that and then use those within my future classes. Like, hey, we're going to do another think, pair, share. We recognize the visuals and we can put those into play. So, oh, this is nice. Yeah, when you're using yeah, student so- work.
1: Student work. So another one that I've done is like we were sorting shapes and I had given them a homework like 4 prompting like tasks where they had to create the Venn diagrams uh, relating, let's say, the, the set of squares and the set of rectangles, right? Create a Venn diagram. So they did that work individually. And I said, upload it to our, you know, Google Classroom or D2L or whatever platform you're using. And then I went through and I selected, right, as part of our five practices, selected certain work, right? for a purpose, whatever the learning goal is, right? Picked it out and then put in samples of student work and then asked them to do a notice and wondering. So I set up little text boxes. As you can see on this slide, I have four samples of student work around um, drawing a Venn diagram relating the set of squares and the set of rectangles. And then uh, like a a table with two columns that have little text boxes that are color coded and looking at what do you notice, what do you wonder around these four uh, solution representations. And so they could do that across each of the four problems. So this is a different structure than the each group has. It's that each um, all the groups are going to go into the one slide and find their little text box color and then talk of their noticing and wonderings. That way when we go to whole group and we go across the four uh, different questions. They can see the responses across all of the groups. I don't know if that explains it really well, but like maybe when they look at the slides, they'll, they'll, no, they'll I, see No, I what think I mean. it.
0: I think it does. I mean, again, it's a now again, it's another structure where I've got a way that I can use student group. I can put the prompt that I use for that student work, that work, and then I've got I've already used color coding for each of my groups, and my groups can see. Oh, each group is going to have a notice and wondering for each of these sets, right? And so what am I going to notice or, you know, what do we notice? What do we wonder? And those, again, create good conversations Mm -hmm. and it leans on something that I know what we're supposed to be doing because we want to position our students to be doing things within class and not just sitting and listening to us, right?
1: And they could go across and use the tools. Like, are there certain wonderings that resonate with you? Or mm-hmm. certain noticings, and then they can go use the tools and check marks and different um, scribble tools or emojis or whatever. And then it's like, oh, a lot of people are really wondering about this wondering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And then that can give you information on how to carry out the, the whole group discussion. Um, so I'm going to skip down because I think that's pretty good highlights of the task. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So just that bit about... Um, on 220, here's some different ways to get students, like, in self-reflection, uh, getting some of that um, formative assessment, if you will, like, what's going to guide your instruction moving forward. Teresa Wills had a nice, like, tweet deck type of um, slide where it's got mm. the, what has been successful so far in your learning over our time together this week? I think that was my prompting question, but I used her her slide there. And it's, she's got this tug of war where it's easy for me, hard for me. And you just go grab a, um a text box or a shape or whatever and put in like, where are you along this mm-hmm. kind of this rope that looks like tug of war with yeah. easy for me on one end and hard for me on the other.
0: Yeah. And then you got the the stoplight. I like the stoplight. Stop light,
1: well. And then uh, Teresa Wells had this three, two, one template that I really like. Uh, what's three things you learned today? What's, or what's three things you learned? What are two things you're wondering about? And what's one thing you're ready to try? That might be a nice one to do at the end of a week. Like you've Mm -hmm. gone through like a week or two. This might be a nice one to do. Um, there's also the, the compass points template. um, that you might use where it's like North, South, East, West, the directions, what's something you need to know? What's something you're excited, what's your stance worrisome. And you could have little prompting questions again. Um, I really like this this slide on 225. It's a, a reflections prompt from Growing Professionally from Jenny Bay Williams and Karen Karp, where um, the prompting questions are what are three main points, what are two things that hold square with your beliefs, one thing that's going around and around in your head, and one thing that causes you to reflect on your own beliefs or practices. So you can adopt and, and change those up, but I use this a lot when I have students do a reading So this could be a reading reflection responses to those, or maybe it's an activity that we did or a discussion that we had. And um, that's one where I translated, um, translated into the virtual space.
0: Yeah. And it points it. And again, it's one thing too, that, overall, this thing points you at doing something with like the reading, like I'm just mm-hmm. reading it to read it. No, no, no. I'm looking for three main points and two things, you know, like I'm looking for these things. Like, again, you're, it's versus passive versus active. Like, I think you're leaning, when you give those prompts, like you're leaning in.
1: Exactly. In the very last section of this immense slide deck, <laughs> uh, it's just some virtual manipulatives and other resources that I've found helpful. So One thing that is just amazing. I've I've talked about Teresa Wills quite a bit in her work. So on slide 227, there's a direct link to the different templates and PDs that she has offered. It is amazing. I highly recommend it. Yes. um, And very appreciative of the work that she's doing for our community. Uh, Another couple of uh, links that I have here for TOTOS. TOTOS has been holding a lot of professional development, a, a focus on mathematics for all students. Uh, with a focus on, sorry, excellence, um, equity, social justice, a lot of phenomenal people doing work, um, there and they've a lot of professional development sessions as well as NCTM has had a hundred days of professional learning. So all those videos that they've had are available up until October to go. Um, there's, they have live webinars right now through October, and then you can go back and look at video recordings. Um, there's also a couple of, links here the, of different people who have put together just like pages of resources from our community, like thinking about which one doesn't belong to virtual manipulatives um, that I have here, um, some different uh, uh, links that you can hop on. I know a lot of people are looking for virtual manipulatives or other tools or strategies and resources. So I've hyperlinked them here. In, so in it's like slides. other people
0: that have done what you have done collected things together and so these are it's it's like a like a a meta
1: yeah, <laughs> meta collection yeah, so we got I'm trying to find this oh let me go find this yeah in our meta collection of okay I know that Janet uh Novakowski she did a NCTM session uh, it was wonderful where she has a blog where she put in all these different virtual manipulative sites and places you can go to for that and so I was like oh I will just Here's her, her Twitter, a little tweet that she put out. And so I just hyperlinked it there. And the very last set of slides are just things that I found helpful when creating these slides, like on 229, how to remove backgrounds from images. Mm -hmm. So depending on what kind of slide deck you have, you might find that, Oh, there's multiple ways to get images. This was just one that I was like, there's just times when I want to remove a background from an image and I just didn't know about this site. And then Mm -hmm. I learned Uh, over the last few months. Oh, Hey, I can do that. Like you mentioned before, uh, Joel, how to create a draw pile. So this is hyperlinked to Teresa wills video. She calls it, um, uh, how to clone hack. It's a Google hack for cloning. So that's how you create those draw piles. So there's video linked right there. Um, we talked about the background slides, how you create a background slide. So things Mm -hmm. aren't moving. There's a video that Teresa, um, she created there and she calls it how to lock slides. So I just said how to create backgrounds, the locked background, because some people are like, oh, but I don't know if I want to give my students editing access. Can I lock down the whole thing? And as far as I know, you can't. Um, you either let them all do all the things or none of them. There isn't, you can't right. lock a particular slide. So the best, next best thing is, like, here's some things sh- that can't move. Mm-hmm. And then Google Translate, I embed that in a lot of places. Like, think about the words on, that you put in different slides that you might want to hyperlink those words uh, to Google Translate so that your students can go and, oh, let's see what this word means in maybe um, a different language.
0: And what I like again, about yeah, – oh, go, go ahead. ahead.
1: No, I I was gonna just... say, and again, Teresa will she has a video that I've hyperlinked in here about uh, another tra- uh, Google Translate hack for distance learning.
0: Okay. What I like about these three slides is – Again, we're using a similar format, so I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to – I can click on the link. I'm going to get a video, and then I've got more, like, demonstration from a visual on the right. And so each of these slides – one, for me, Jen, it's like I don't have to think all that much. Ooh, I want to show a video and give a little explanation on how to do something. Yeah. I'm going to copy this slide. I'm going to put the title of what I'm doing. I'm going to link the video onto the TV, and I'm going to put a little image on the other side, or some text uh, description, and boom, I'm done, for me, for me, being that Mm -hmm. perfectionist, like, like, I have this format down, I've decided, it's done, and now, but now my students know what to do, I don't have to make it, you know, I don't have to make some cute new thing every time, no, no, no. this is going to signify video direction, and, and I know what to do here, so it's like, I love this part of it. I just,
1: yeah, I, it's because I see it, and they're like, oh, I know that this has a video embedded. Now, you might have to explain why there's these little antennas coming out of the TV, right? <laughs> right? Or what yeah. are those knobs yeah, for? What, what is, like, what are those? What is
0: that? Like, why is there not just a big screen? Like A screen, right?
1: Yeah. And then... Hands why it, down. What why I'm, is
0: it a piece of furniture? <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah.
1: laughs> right now, this image—that's exactly what it looks like. And I think that, yeah, I mean, we're we're old enough where we remember having that exact TV in our home. Probably, oh yeah,
0: but console TV—you <laughs> put some put some artwork on top of it, man. <laughs> <A> tray <laughs> could eat dinner like, on top of it. <laughs> you know, it's like the
1: tube blew out, and you're like, "What's that? What's that mean?" Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, the tube TVs and. This uh, so this slide we're we're getting towards the end here has been really helpful for me. Um, so again, like I said, I had used PowerPoint before, and how do you you know move slides from one PowerPoint to another? I would just copy over, right. and I know people do that with Google Slides. And then I learned that you could import slides from other previous PowerPoint or sorry, uh, Google slides that you've created and you don't have to import the whole slide deck. You can pick particular ones. And so, like you said, if you know that this format works for you, like with the TV, you know that you did that yesterday, just grab that slide and and put it into your next slide deck.
0: That's a nice Again, that was something I learned and it was, Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing, yeah. especially this if you, slide just has that. those
1: images on it, right? It just says here mm-hmm. file, go to import slides. This is what it looks like. And so it's like explanations through visuals. So it doesn't always have to be a video, right? I, mean, I think it's great. You put video in, but you can also just, as you see, probably throughout this whole thing that I do a lot with like inserting images.
0: Yep. Lots of arrows and things. Yeah. Again, coming up with a way to communicate and just being consistent with it is going to be go for a long, um, Go a long way with helping your students understand what you're trying to get across.
1: To get across, yeah, yeah. And this very, very, the, the last slide is um, an idea that I got both from Teresa Wills. This is her, the slide that um, she created that's on her website, but also this idea from Catherine Yeh I got that have a virtual parking lot at the end of your slide deck. So that at any point during the session that you have with people, if they have questions that maybe they can't ask right this moment or you don't want to put it in chat just yet, go ahead and just drop it into the very last slide of the deck. And you can say that at the very beginning of your session. If you have questions throughout, go ahead and drop them into those virtual parking lot and I'll get to it at the very end or if other students end up going there, other people, they might be able to answer the question for you. Again, that collective idea that collaboration you might have a question that oh jen can answer somebody else in the community can answer it doesn't have to be just me and so there's that space for that
0: that's awesome and again that's something that i did i would have like hey uh use this google form to provide me any questions and we'll make sure they get answered. but i you i would do that and it's like well i wanted them questions beforehand but how many people have questions? like how many people know the questions that they're gonna have about class before class? Like this is mm-hmm. like, hey, we acknowledge that during class there's gonna be a time for a question and it might get answered with your group, but it might not. So let's make sure to put it at the end and then or put it on that parking lot slide that there that's always gonna be there. Again, another structure that it's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna make sure that those questions get answered. If it doesn't get answered today, I've got it written out. I could bring it to the next day. And- exactly put yeah. it at something else yeah so, so this
1: slide deck's just kind of like a highlight of things like I've got a lot more that I've done but I was trying to put together something that I could share with others that kind of gets like big ideas or things and structures that you could try out right
0: well we are I am just so excited that you're you were willing to share it and willing to put the time into the that we could create this video and that we could share it through the podcast and I think a lot of the things, a lot of the thinking behind some of this stuff, I think that's a helpful thing to communicate here Mm and thinking about how do we, how do we teach better? How do we handle the current situation that we're in? But then also how do we just use it as an opportunity to, again, think about how to teach better. So no matter if we're face to face or online, that we're doing things that um, limit the amount of like havoc that, if we have to switch happens and we can focus more in on our students and more on providing that caring environment that, that we need, that we, we all need to be caring for each other. And I can't do that oh, yeah. if I'm converting all my instruction. And so again, Jen, thank you so much for oh, being yeah. willing to share. This is uh this is amazing. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think that's how we grow and we learn. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I've benefited greatly from a lot of the things that other people have shared. Right. So I, I wouldn't be able to do what I just did here had there not been resources out there that other people have shared to be able to create this. And then I can think about my own situation and adapt it. And so if this there's got to be, I hope, a few things throughout here that resonate with other people, even if it's just one or two things, right? That they feel like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I can tackle it this way. Oh, that's not too bad. Look, this template's already there. Okay, so I just need to modify it. That's
0: right. So, um, Hey Jen, if you could, uh, not share your screen anymore, then we could see. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to, going to close out with one more question. And that question is what is the best thing you do, uh, for your teaching? Uh, what, though, what is the best question. thing to you do to help your teaching?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so I think the best thing that I do for my teaching is that I try to be really reflective. Like I going into um, the learning space, it is a community of learning and I am part of that community. So if something goes really well, what was it, not just me, but my students, the whole community that made that thing really awesome. Or if something doesn't go as planned or something didn't work out as I had hoped, what was it about the community it's not just me it's not just the students but as a whole like and how would i how does that change so really thinking about collaboration and collectivism to move the the thinking and the ideas in the community forward so i I'm, i try to be purposeful and re- reflecting on um our space and learning together but also problematizing my practice i think that there are things that we wrestle with that we need to pause. Like I, I get this a lot from Catherine Yeh, right? That idea of pausing and thinking about like, why are you doing what you're doing? Who is it for is the benefit of the community? And I think that's really helped frame my thinking. And I think I'm a better educator um, because of that. Cause I, I look at it as I'm an educator in progress, right? Like thinking about the work of Mandy, right? We're never done, right? We're unfinished work and we just get better each day, but it's because we come to the space honoring one another, seeing one another's humanity and just being, I think that's probably the best thing I can do for my teaching is recognizing that every time I step into a space, I'm really excited because it's, it's different. We have different students, we have a different community and like, I get to learn from people. I get to learn about them. I get to learn about myself and I get to learn about us in, in community. That's
0: what I think is the best. And <laughs> I, I get to
1: meet awesome people like you, Joel. Oh, get right? yeah, I mean, to have time with you.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I was just thinking. I mean, in all our conversations and even like having the conversation that uh, was at the beginning of um, this transition of instruction in, in the global pandemic and thinking about when you were on the Teaching Math Teaching podcast and the way you were talking, it was like, man, she is she's thought a lot about some of the issues that we're all dealing with. But at the same time, she's presenting all these additional ideas and questions and things that she's still thinking about. And like, you know, it could have been really easy, Jen, for you to just to say, like, to position yourself, like, yeah, I figured a lot of this stuff out and just do that, you know, (laughs) but you never do that. Like, it's always this, like, I'm here, but here are the things that I need to keep growing on and here are the things that, and then also, what do you have to offer about like those things that I need to keep? And it's like, Right. For the, for, for everyone. And it's not, it's always put in this loving, caring way. And, and that's. I, I, oh, that's beautiful.
1: That's so oh, nice.
0: Well, you're so nice. This is just <laughs> so great. But yeah, uh, no. anything, anything else to, to share with it before we close out here?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, a, a couple of things I would just say is that just remember you can't do all the things right? Right. We're still in a global pandemic. And I want to say that you are enough. I think we can be really hard on ourselves and we don't think about how you are enough. And I know that everyone is really going in there with the best intentions to help our community. So like, let's, let's lean on one another, honor one another to, to move, move us forward.
0: Yeah. I was, I was asked recently about um, what's one book I would recommend. And I don't know if you remember this one from an earlier episode of the the podcast. It was rest like rest. hey, if we're going to be doing re- good work, we also need to have good rest, and especially right now. And like I think about that image that you had in the slide deck of like uh, mm-hmm. but having an empty cup, like you can't pour out yeah. if there's nothing in there, like and just care, self-care and you are enough that's, that's a That's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you, Jen. Thank you for yeah. Sharing. No,
1: thank you. This is I, I love this. This is great.
0: All right, so I'm going to close it out. So that is all we have. That is it. Just 200 <laughs> slides and however much you want to take. That's that's all we got for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. The show notes, which is going to be important, uh, can be found at AmazonPlanet.com. You will get a copy of the slide deck that you can uh, uh, see everything that we showed. There will be the video will be embedded there. But you can find that at amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 29. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Bondurant did that recently. I appreciate her uh, review. Uh, you can subscribe to the Amadon Planet download, which contains teaching resources and updates from Amadon Planet. This will definitely be on there. But you can sign up on the There's the email list. Uh, sign up, subscribe to the email list buttons at amadonplanet.com. They're everywhere. You can also follow at Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page, which we had every video from the um, Teaching Math Teaching Summer Book Club. The July edition was is there, where we talked about high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice. So some great conversations there. You can also check out the Amazon Planet store or Amazon Planet bookshop where links in the footer at AmazonPlanet.com where you can purchase, where your purchases support the production costs of the podcast. Jen, I appreciate that you've uh, gotten a sweatshirt. I appreciate that. That's great. Uh, nice. So thank you for uh, for rocking that. And uh, we can all figure out how to be the good in these days. And so again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Thanks to Jen for sharing her expertise and everything on that uh, slide deck. We really appreciate her. and we want to say thanks to matt mifflin for the music in this episode also matt has a new single out on spotify and i think other services too but i definitely on spotify called each day check it out if you will and finally thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others this world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others thank you for all that you do peace